What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to 2-Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are talking about Season 3, Episode 8, titled Episode 3.7, underscore don't delete me dot KO. Uh, Did you understand what the don't delete me thing was all about? Uh, Trenton, well, I mean, it's... it's, uh... (laughs) It's, You were about to say a very simplistic explanation for it. It's It's Trenton's email, but also this is an elaborate... uh suicide uh episode it is yeah um which interestingly i didn't fully understand till about probably three quarters of the way through this episode huh. i thought it was more about getting mi- rid of mr robot um, how did you think he was watch. how do you think he was going to do it other than killing himself getting rid of that jacket ah, i thought see. that was the you know the link he had back to his father at that moment but on second watch i mean oh yeah okay. it's yeah it's not I, even I, thinly veiled it's okay. just there on the surface <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes you, you you miss what's what's in front of you for sure um i <laughs> i was reading a thread on reddit where they were talking about the after show yeah um from uh, i don't know whatever fucking outlet does their after show and usa network they were talking about how shitty it was and how like they totally didn't get the point of it and like they just make bad jokes and all this stuff and they didn't huh. talk deeply about the episode i'm like i don't know if i could do an instant take on this show yeah sometimes because there's a lot to process in these and i feel like if i don't sit down for a couple of hours and just think about what i watched i don't fully understand it until i do that and especially with episodes like this right because this is not your run-of-the-mill mr robot episode this is much deeper on the other hand the official show's got like sam esmail and the right like i I don't feel like it's your standard instant take no they can kind of guide the conversation yeah i think sam (laughs) was like i don't know what's gonna happen next but it's yeah they they kind of know where the thing's going he's not gonna give you spoilers but he can explain the episode i've heard that it's it's unsatisfyingly loose and kind of like oh, surface level and glib. I've watched a couple of episodes. I, I watched and did a couple last, not like it. See, I watched a couple last year, but like I wasn't sure if I didn't like how's the format or because I thought they seemed smug and self congratulatory for a product that I wasn't entirely happy with. Okay. Whereas, like, yeah. if you know, like, like for example, the official Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul podcast the are entire, kind of that yeah. same 
you know, smart me and self congratulate But like, you know, for the most part, I enjoy Vince Gilligan's work. So if he's wanting yeah. to dunk on a podcast and, and talk about how wonderful job everyone's doing, it's like, okay, whatever. And, and he's the guy who made it. He's not like there to yeah. talk about it and be all congratulatory and fanboy over it. I'm, right. And, and it's, it was the surprising lack of depth of coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the discussion just went nowhere interesting. It was all surface level um, in the episodes that I've watched. But we got I don't know. Maybe we can be accused of the same sometimes. Oh, fuck I have yeah. no idea. Uh, we're three minutes into this, and I don't think we've talked about what we thought about the episode. No. What do you think about what it? What the hell? What do you think of the episode? What do you think of it? I brought it up first. <laughs> you waited. You had God three minutes. It. You just fucked around. So now uh, you're on I, the spot. I love this episode. Okay, uh, good. I was worried. I thought... This was a much-needed breather from yes. the non-stop foot-to-the-floor action that we've had. But not a filler episode. No. Because no, a lot of not. important character moments and, like, I felt very long... much like this, uh, about this episode, like I did about The Fly from Breaking Bad, and I yes. know a lot of people yeah. hated that episode, yeah. and I think this one is probably just as divisive, but... I don't think just a device, but we did get a couple of negative. I, I got a representative negative take, which okay. I understand. Right. I understand where it's coming from, because sometimes any let up of, of, of tension yeah. or the the brinksmanship, frankly, that's been going on this entire season can feel like a letdown. But mm-hmm. when you really I think if you look at it and, and over the course of time, you think about like because it's a it's a long time coming. Like the obvious solution to what ha- what what you do if you're a clinically depressed person whose brain's not working right and also has this goblin inside you that just goes and kills thousands of it's people without people, your yeah. control is to kill yourself. And you've tried every other and possible you've, you've tried everything. Fix. You've tried everything yeah. and you're desperate. I, I, like it's entirely it would be weird if 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 Elliot n- had never thought about it, mm-hmm. you know, and like the fact yeah. that he he came through and and he made a plan and he was like, you know, ma- making plans with Darlene and to de- deal with his dog. Like it felt like a man who was setting his affairs to order. I yeah. thought it was great. I thought the stuff between the kid was great. I liked the more fantastic kind of like. I think it's intentional. You're supposed to un- not understand if entirely all this is a dream or real. Uh-huh. I have very strong yep. opinions on that, but like, you know, they're they're encouraging to kind of enter this dream space, uh, and it's gorgeous. Like the it shot is. of. Yeah. Of Elliot and that kid, Muhammad, is it Muhammad? Muhammad, yeah. In the mosque was was gorgeous. In the final Those shot, overheads, yeah, with with Angela and uh, and and Elliot on two sides of the doors, yep, uh, was amazing too. And, and it, it's not meant to be. I, I don't feel like any of this, whether you believe it's a dream that Elliot's having or what, whatever. I don't believe that any of this is meant to be taken literally real. Like we we've seen the inside of Angela's apartment; it's not black. But they're going for a thematic thing here. They're going for a feel and a mm. look and a, and a vibe. And, like, when people look at those things and they say, oh, what does this mean? Her hall, her entryway hall is not white anymore. It's black now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. It just means they're going for an aesthetic, a I feel. I do think it, it does – it is indicative of, of the, the characters and – Well, I mean, I look back at, like, people talking about, oh, in um, – 
fuck, what's her name? His therapist's office or her home uh, office. Uh, oh, the books are all red. What does it mean? Oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there's nothing because Angela's Hall is not fucking red and, and her entryway is not black. We've seen that conclusively. No. It it's, doesn't it's mean just anything something like, they're going for thematically. It's not a Rosetta Stone, but like, you know, colors and temperatures of things mean something and it's supposed to evoke a particular feeling in the viewer. And but it, it doesn't mean they're in a different universe no, or a different time or no, another life or anything. No, no, it's no, just. No. It's there to make you feel something. And I, that's, this is weird because I don't feel like I have a good grasp on what I can say about this episode because I felt it more than I understood it, mm-hmm. um, like intellectually. Right. You just kind of feel this episode on a base level. And I, yeah, there's a lot it, of It's intuitive. hard to really talk about. I don't, yeah. I don't quite know how to go there. Yeah. No, there's a lot of intuitives and uh, intu- in stuff you have to intuit in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so the the name don't delete me dot ko bro, I guess don't delete um, me dot co ko is like a it's a Linux kernel object a file and essentially it is a module that you can load into the kernel that contains device drivers or file system drivers. It's and, a way to extend the Linux kernel functionality, right? And do so in a way that doesn't load everything. You can load them individually, so you can just you know reserve some. Preserve your memory mm-hmm. so you don't have to load it all. Do you think there's any um, special... Because si- I'm starting to think that these don't really yeah. tie into the meaning of the episode. I'm with you. I don't think there has there's a lot of info in those those file extensions uh-huh. at the end of them. To the point where I don't know that I keep I want to keep talking about them because some of them are so obscure to me at this point. Like, I'm not a Linux user big time. Right. I've used it in the past, but fuck, I don't know about kernel modules. So. Right. Yeah, I, I I I don't I don't know either, and it also because yeah, there's just not that there's just not that many. I did feel like it's 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 a style it's a stylistic thing. It's it's yeah. no I like yeah. I also don't think there's any meaning between the fact that Trenton got a Bruce Springsteen CD burn and uh-huh. and Mobley got Mobley DJ got Mobley. DJ Mobley like. Yeah, obviously the DJ Mobley, but the, the Trenton's uh, spring. I guess he's a but is the boss boy. jersey? So yeah, I, I think so. I Fox. think yeah, they so. Prob- so I don't know. Maybe Sam Esmail yeah. and the the series DVD that comes uh, in a fishbowl mm-hmm. uh, when they have all five seasons on Blu-ray. It, he'll explain that like if you take all the extensions and you put them through. Uh, a Caesar Rot thirteen cipher, <laughs> right? <laughs> it it spells out the you know the the I don't know grand unification theory. Yep, uh, I did find it interesting that the Trenton Trenton must just be using her initial handle that she started hacking with, right? Like day one, she's a script kitty. She fires up. I don't know, fucking ICQ and says, God damn it, I need a handle. She fires up IRC and says, I can't join this this room without a handle. She goes, uh, my brother was born Trenton. Trenton, that's good. Mm-hmm. And, and she never changed it because this is a bad hacker name. This is giving Why? information away oh, that's true. that you wouldn't want to give away if you're a hacker. That's true. But Elliot's email is like Elliot.Anderson at <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hacker.com or that's true. at secureemail.com. Yeah. But For sure. I, I, I don't know. Um yeah, what's in the other thing I want to talk about just thematically is how this episode in itself turns a lot of things on its head about what we think about like, you know, Mobley's brother. Like our first interaction with him, yeah. we think one thing and by the end of the episode we think different. 
the drug dealer we think differently, the little kid we think differently about. And I feel like last episode when Trenton was talking about how her brother was going to be nervous about her, going to be angry, like I got in my head like a bigger, more protective brother. And it turns out it's just the opposite. It's just her little brother who's so vulnerable. There's a lot of things that got – and even our – the we – we we get a lot of recalibration of how we think Mr. Robot, uh, his his origin mm-hmm. and Elliot's relationship with his father and a lot of things. Like this episode is a lot about, you know, taking what we thought we knew about characters and situations and flipping them both contained entirely within this episode and throughout the entire series. Yeah. Like it, it'd be interesting if you look back, like say this runs for four or five seasons and if this episode, it feels like a fulcrum. Mm-hmm. It feels like a point where Elliot's like he hits rock bottom and decides not to take the the easy decisive way out and to like you know I'm gonna no I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna fight fuck this yeah uh, and that felt that felt exciting it felt like a declaration a, a manifesto of sorts mm-hmm. um, and it also kind of touches on you know the way we treat Muslims in this country yeah um, there's a lot going on in this episode and. I don't know. I think it's an important step forward. And this is a good moment to do this kind of episode because what else are you going to do? I mean, he's got he's got no options. I mean, mm-hmm. how is he the the stage 2 has gone off. Um he doesn't have a way to fight back against Mr. Robot or White Rose or whoever he thinks is doing this and is in charge. Uh and it does th- seem there's like there's this 3-week cooling off period. Yeah. Now he has to deal with the consequences of the thing that he created. Yeah. So I I don't know. I felt like this was a much needed episode that happened at just the right time. I totally agree. Okay. Maybe we should get into the recap. Uh, before we do that, I wanted to take one mention to talk about Tot Dab, which as I kind of thought would okay. happen in the beginning. So I got a lot of email like, what is this Tot You explain dab? it literally every single episode. I, I try though. I to, but like it's so – one thing that I got negative feedback for is I would tend to like go on a 10-minute rant anytime something socioeconomically did not line up in the show mm-hmm. with what I thought would be the reality if – two-thirds of the consumer debt in the country were wiped out or we had a financial catastrophe like the great depression you know Mm -hmm. um like like a lot of things like why does lower to middle class people have disposable income so it's kind of thing going on and i how can ellie afford new computers how can i afford new computers and new clothes and all this even though he hasn't been in work for work for six months he's in jail like you know what yeah. What, where where did all, all this stuff? Although wasn't there like a life insurance? He's he's kind of doesn't have to even work. Is that true? Maybe maybe or hacking. Hacking can be the That's mandate true. there. He, just, he just steals, steals money, money when he yeah. needs. He's Robin. He's a digital Robin Hood. Uh-huh. Um, but I came up with this thing because like instead of taking ten minutes to just like vent my spleen, I came up with this tot dab scale, which stands for that one thing that drives Aaron batshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be like the tot dabs at a seven out of ten, and you know that's like the people that agree with me can like yeah totally, and the people that get tired of me bitching about this like I'd spent thirty seconds. Right. So. If I have to explain this every four episodes, it's still probably money and episode time ahead. So. Was there a lot of Todd Dab in this episode? Uh, a little bit, but I I don't know. I don't like like I said, a lot of this show is so dreamy that and and over like I'll I will put up with a lot of Todd Dab. Like I'll like 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 I I'll put up with Magic and Dragons if the if the show is good. I'll put up with sure. You know, lasers making noise in space if the show's good. <laughs> I'll put up a tot dab if the show's good. Season three of Mr. Robot is really, 
really good. Yeah. Like, it's so good that I'm starting to think, like, where should I properly evaluate it? Like, that's something I'm going to have to do in January when we have our baldies. Like, this thing is covering ground. Like, I didn't expect it to make the top ten. It's certainly going to be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. And it's it's heading towards the top five. And, like, can it cra- crack the top three? It's still got two episodes to go, which t- episodes that you can dig itself into a hole or episodes <laughs> where it can really get sublime. So I don't what do you what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's it's exceeded my expectations. And granted, I have very low expectations going in to season three because I did not like season two. But even after like the first few episodes, I thought, OK, Mr. Robot is back to form and it has gone beyond, I think, even season one. As oh yeah! As far as how good it is, I thought season one was good until the I, I the final two episodes I had problems with, which I guess could be this season again. But like, mm-hmm. if they continue to if they stick the landing, then this is obviously the best season of Mister Robot of all time, and is kind of historically good too. Sure. I think for yeah. me, more more generally among television. Yes, yes. Okay, we ready for a recap now? Yes, let's do it. Hey, before we get to the episode proper, I want to do some housekeeping. Uh, we got a couple of, uh, of bald move events still coming up. We got, you know, the finish of uh, The Walking Dead over the next two weeks, finish of Mr. Robot. Uh, we got the Disaster Artist movie. Oh, yeah, it's next week. Next week's going to be awesome. And the week after that, Star Wars, first run bald movies. Check that out on our bald movies feed. Uh, but the real thing we're excited about is in the off season uh, in December, Jim and I typically have a bald move Christmas extravaganza. This year is no different. We're going to be for this is exclusive for club members only. Uh, it's the Mary Culkin Keatmas. We're going to be watching Jack Frost, uh, Home Alone, and Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. The Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, uh, Danny DeVito as Penguin uh, episode, which is which is, which is Christmas themed. All these movies are Christmas themed. Yep. We do a live watch for each of them, which is a way we do commentary where you can watch the movie with us. Uh, we do podcasts for each one, and then on the corresponding Friday lunches with Jim and Aaron, uh, we drink a lot and we do super long lunch editions. Uh, there's going to be other surprises. There's going to be a surprise for Christmas Day, but uh, yeah, it's a Christmas extravaganza. If you want to get in on it, you got to join the club. Club.baldmove.com. Stealth ad for the club. Also, as an enticement, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for the actual club ad for that. Doing too much selling. Let's get back to the episode. All right, we start off with young Elliot going to the movies with his dad. He clearly doesn't want to be there. He's angry that his father pushed him out the window, I think. I think that's what they're talking about. He's got the sling on his arm, so I think that's what you're supposed to understand. Um, Also, he won't admit that he's sick, and he calls him out for that. And Edward says, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Asks him if he can ever forgive him. And then he collapses on the floor when Elliot says no. Uh, And Elliot takes his jacket and goes to watch the movie where he kind of i guess speaks for the first time to mr robot that's the impression i got here is that this is the moment mr robot was created i think that is a inference that one could make now so there is there's been a lot of theories that keep developing over the mr robot and when it was and there is a popular theory about mr robot forming before the um elliot anderson actually or um Edward uh, uh, Alderson mm-hmm. died, and the latest one came out of this week is that the Elliot created the Mister Robot persona to deal with his father's cancer diagnosis, and sure. him Mister him being pushed out the window as Elliot throwing himself out the window as punishment for breaking his father's confidence. That this was the first yeah. instance of Mister Robot 
the persona hurting Elliot to to establish control and domination, which nicely mirrors mirrors the parallel of him being thrown off the pier in season one. Mm-hmm. I I've really progressively liked these new Mister Robot theories, and I think this is the best permutation yet. Okay, that and that explains why you know Elliot's dad is so nonchalant about the fact that he just broke his son's arm. Yeah, like. It's more like, will you forgive me for making you keep a secret from your mom because you massively overreacted into it? Then, oh, I'm sorry for throwing you out a second story window. Why can't you just fucking enjoy this stupid movie? <laughs> right. Um, and there's a lot of inconsistency about what Elliot says about their relationship leading up to yeah, I wasn't, his, his death. Do because, you want to talk about that? Because I'm, I'm unconvinced that they're real inconsistencies. Yeah, me too. I. I'm honestly more convinced that it's Elliot's guilt um, and his mm-hmm. him trying to cover for that. You know, seeing the relationship very differently than it actually was. Um, but but potentially people are talking about, oh, maybe he's got his, maybe he's already got the Mister Robot in him, and so he sees Mister Robot as his father at that point, and mm-hmm. and and has a very different relationship than he does with actual Edward. Well, here so. Cora Adana, who is the technical advisor, writer yeah. slash producer, confirmed in an interview that this is the actual day Edward Alden Alderson died. Yeah, Alderman, Jesus, Alderson. Oh, was it Alderson? Okay. Yeah. Um, so we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't buy that the person collapsing is actually Mister Robot, like because the oh, crowd reacted to him. Okay, right. Yeah, and like you, the fact that Elliot said, like you know, ever since my dad pushed him out of the window, we never really talked, and we. Like, people are like, well, he's talking to him. I'm like, is he really? Like, I don't think this is – you compare this to their relationship from before the window incident. This is yeah. not – like, I would a, think this qualifies for not having a relationship. Yeah. And and being closed off. But but, and, but it seemed – but he, the way he describes it, it was the other side of it was the problem. Like, mm, his dad wouldn't talk to him, mm, and he was very closed off. But this seems exactly the opposite to me. Mm, and that could be Elliot – reversing the situation to kind of deal with his guilt right or to avoid his guilt i guess right um i don't know and mr robot sure twists the truth around himself like i could totally yeah. see him gaslighting uh elliot as far as um what his relationship with his father was like mm-hmm. you know think about it, like if this alternate personality has been in his head for you know since he's 10 10 years old that's kind of what i mean yeah about that's avoiding bad. the guilt yeah is his version of his dad is telling him one thing and and we already know that elliot's an unreliable narrator he yeah. lies to us intentionally he lies to us by omission he lies to us because he cannot correctly identify social cues mm-hmm. so like his memory of his father's relationship is very suspect i don't believe anything that i don't see with my own two eyes yeah. you know on the screen uh-huh um Anything more to say about that? I, I like the old intro yeah. to the movie. That was kind of nice. So that was really cool. And, like, is that – my question was – because that's so close to being the actual Cinemark, this is the movie starting, bad 90s CGI kind of thing, that I'm wondering if it actually was Might or they been. recreated it for the show. Because there's something about the, like, the hideous popcorn texture. And yeah, the gumdrops. The gumdrops. It just is so... Un- like, like, following yeah, you, the film reel, yeah. You can do this in CG, but nah, you should wait. You should wait till Lord of the Rings drops so you can actually get some realistic texture on that popcorn. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like that, that hokey kind of, like, faux movie kind of... I, I, yeah, I, I definitely w- remember seeing things that looked like that. Yeah. 
But that's the thing. It's like you never can tell whether the show actually just made something that looks like that or if they just fucking licensed one. Right, especially when we're dealing with an afraid, episode where afraid, Back to the Future. They ain't afraid to shell out for 15 seconds yeah. of Back to the Future, too. That's for sure. Features prominently. So, All right, we go to present-day Elliot. He is reading news stories about Mobley and Trenton while burning their info to CD, and he's pondering the concept of deletion as it kind of relates to... Uh, I thought at on first viewing his father um, and Mr. Robot, but on second viewing, it's definitely himself. Um, he does the most thorough wipe down ever before Darlene shows up. He's, we, we saw he's that. cutting chips off his fucking board. We've seen him do that in season one. Too. Yeah. I didn't remember it being this severe, but oh, yeah, the microwave right. and the chips. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, she wants to him to help her get Angela out of her funk, but... Elliot is kind of at the end of his own rope and starts screaming about how he can't get rid of Mr. Robot. And, oh, by the way, Mr. Robot is me, and I liked all of this stuff. And Darlene gets so scared um, that they, they sit down, and Elliot promises they'll they'll watch Careful Massacre tomorrow. Which Man, what a happen. shitty thing. To, like, in retrospect, yeah. this is, like, one of the biggest acts of cowardice I've seen Elliot do. Because he knows... Yeah. In this moment, I think he com- I think he actually comes to the realization right now that, like, in lieu of her not leaving him alone, like he he comes to the conclusion that he's going to kill himself, and he's like, you know what? And he almost flips the switch. Like he he makes all these promises he knows he's not going to keep, and mm-hmm. his sister's going to come over and probably get a call from somebody tomorrow morning that his brother her brother's been found dead of a, a, a opioid overdose on the beach. Yeah, and like what? Wow, Elliot. Wow. No, it's rough. Um, and I think but on the other both hand, that's... of them do just deliver excellent performances right. in this scene. I mean, just the way that, like, neither of them can, like, really look at each other. Right. But there's also this connection between them. They both yeah. understand each other. And then Elliot, there's this other level where he knows he's going to kill himself. It's... Well, and I catch myself it's like I, I, fucking... I'm, I'm putting these moral judgments on Elliot, like how selfish and how cowardly. But on the other hand, he's a mentally ill guy who's clinically depressed. Yeah, like you know, and he's actively it... killing and hurting people right. every day. Right. That's like how much how much rational control does he have mm-hmm. over the way he is feeling and acting at this point? Like he is yeah. wanting to kill themselves with or kill himself, which is the most extreme thing a person can take. Yeah, uh, extreme, extreme action. So, and I don't know what other recourse he has at this point, other than I guess that hail mary at the very end where he finds yeah. the email. But it's so funny because, like, up until like you know, we we thought that like you know, Mister Robot and Elliot are this just you know these these masters, and we I remember there's this conversation about like you know Philip and uh Zhang slash white rose debating who is the most powerful person in the room and we uh-huh. thought like you know who would like maybe Elliot's more powerful and like at this point in time Elliot has zero power and the fact that he talks about this this grandiose plan he and Mr. Robot came up with that he admitted that he like this is his Walter White I was good at it and I liked it kind of realization yeah but he just was but it's so much more tragic he thought he thought he thought he thought he was the guy behind the chessboard weighing the moves and and he just he just now realized he's a pawn yeah and that's why it's so much more tragic because walter white every step of the way he was in some form of control pushing his own destiny forward whereas elliot 
has is been just a... being manipulated and controlled the entire time. Yep. Uh, and never, never saw it. So, yeah. Uh, we also learn in the scene it's been three weeks since the attacks. Um, yes. The, the 71 buildings blew up. Actually, you know, as, as far and, and there's a lot of other stuff. There's, um, there's a lot of interesting critical jabs and also admissions here because like in this episode uh if you if you freeze frame on the article that elliot's talk or that elliot's reading on the computer there's this line where the newspaper is kind of covering the whole history of f society and they're like oh they hold up in this abandoned arcade that was literally called f society and the un was burnt out and it was really literally f society and then it says a bit on the nose if you ask us <laughs> Which is, you know, that that I I think we use that phrase probably two or three times talking sure. about last year's coverage, and then later in the episode where Elliot opines that what the fuck the critics like critics don't know anything. Yeah, um, I, I thought like this this one was Sam Elliott's like okay maybe you've got some a fair point, and then later on was him like also fuck you. Yeah, no, I feel like <laughs> this he, isn't easy. Like you know, I feel like he does the like set you up and then knock you down sort of thing yeah a lot yeah and, yeah and it works it's pretty effective because it gets me thinking like why does sam elliott hate the martian so much <laughs> what does he have against the fucking martian and then the kid's like no it's just matt matt damon's awesome right. and the martian might actually be a just fun movie if you want to turn your fucking brain off right. for a second and not have to worry about not have to think that every goddamn movie you see is the most important thing you've ever seen. Well, also just have some fun with it too. There was right? a there's a meta conversation on Reddit where this also makes sense that Elliot would instinctively dislike this movie because what is Elliot's one unescapable crushing pain is the loneliness he feels in society. Sure, and The Martian for a lot of its runtime is a meditation about how a man can deal with the most isolated a human being can be. Yeah. Um. Which would, you know, like, I, I don't know, would, would that be heaven or hell for Elliot? Because he's lonely, uh, but he I, also... I feel like he would say that's his heaven, but he'd be it would actually inside, be his yeah. hell. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my guess. Yeah. And then there's, like, also, if you if you freeze frame, there's all a bunch of stuff about breathless reporting about the Red Wheelbarrow barbecue being mm-hmm. a F-Society front, and... Yep. Yeah, like, a, like this, this isn't... Like, the three-week time jump's interesting because we it tells us a lot of things without telling us. Number one... Elliot and Darlene have miraculously been saved by from the FBI investigation because yeah. of cooperation. Two, Dark Army doesn't consider them like they have so effectively planted this alternate story, which little tot dabby for me. <laughs> like uh-huh. uh that um, Elliot couldn't blow it wide open if he wanted to. Just that I guess I have a a higher opinion of journalists mm-hmm. than Sam Esmail does. Like I do like this is part and there's there's a there's a there's a piece of feedback I got about my rant on conspiracy theories last week, but this this goes back to it. Like, I mean, I don't know the fact that you could maybe get this to be the first 24, 48 week, two weeks, but like, there's no way this story could withstand a year's worth of journalistic scrutiny. I don't think, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe White Rose won't care by the time this turns out to be, uh, you know, the point. Uh, points to China, then she can like blame Philip because he's obviously super involved in it. Like I, I don't know. It's 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 it's, it's a low tot dab irritation, but it, yeah. it's it's a bit of one. Okay, uh, let's go to the next scene where Elliot drops the dog off at the neighbor's house. It's just a quick one. He talks a little bit more about the deletion as he this, drops. That's why his George father's... Martin can't fucking finish his books. He's babysitting Elliot's dogs all the goddamn time. 
<laughs> you know, if he could and just getting portraits painted of himself and, with and dogs. Ca- and then, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, George, sit down and fucking finish the wins at least, <laughs> at least. Yeah, so he's talking more about deletion as he drops off his father's jacket at the burn center. I guess there's a center that will pay you for donated clothes in ecoin that they so, just burn. So this and again, are they generate like steam engine no, shit? What's a, happening? Little here? Todd Dabby, I think you're supposed to understand is there is no more trash service, so you have to like oh, you pay them, but to it's take illegal to stuff. dump. So right. this is a scam where they're ta- you pay them to dis- and then obviously they're just taking it to. It's not illegal to burn. Then why wouldn't people just burn in their yards? Well, maybe designated burn centers or right because like in a lot of cities sanctioned. you can't. Yeah, you can't just oh, have sure. an open fire. So yeah, but like, but then, but then I guess because they made it seem like the Mister Robot Jag was getting thrown on the fire. Obviously, yeah. it didn't. So then I guess the thing is that this scam is that they just take the trash and dump it after curfew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, they're like, they're recycling their product, right? Like mm-hmm. they're putting their product back into circulation, and then it comes back to them again. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good scam. Yeah, but I just don't feel like again in a society that's not function has no trash. Like I don't know why anyone would pay hard earned e coin to fucking have their trash disposed of. It would just just keep up. Just take it to Trenton and dump it. Right, like the rich people. Jersey are, are gonna... isn't even going to notice. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the like the rich people aren't going to live in neighborhoods where trash is mounded up, and everybody else is not going to be able to. Affect, like, okay, yeah. I can pay for an apple, or I can mm-hmm. have my trash removed. Guess what? I'm getting that apple. Yeah. So I, I mm-hmm. felt like I don't understand the market, uh, even a black or gray market for trash removal. Yeah. It seems ridiculous to me. Todd dab at Todd dab, and we move at, on at what. What's, what's the level? Probably a nine. A nine? Holy yeah. shit. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Who's the market? Who is paying? Like People who are literally drowning in trash, I guess. Right, like, right. Hmm. I mean, it makes like the like the, the, the actually not burning and like it's a whole scam. That makes sense. But like, it, it's weird. It's weird. I'm trying to think of like, uh, like, like what would the equivalent of like someone, you know, running a scam today? Like they're trying to sell you magic beans. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you get magic, be like, I don't know. I feel like this scam that. still exists. Like, you can pay people to come and take away your junk. Sure. And they'll just Trash turn around service, and scrap right? it or yeah. or get money out of it. Like, you're paying someone to take something and give themselves money. Yeah, but what if it costs, like, $500 mm-hmm. to have your refrigerator picked up? Would That's you? too much. I'd smash it in the backyard. You'd just keep it in the backyard yeah. or you'd, 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 you'd throw it in a creek somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, or it just, Drive yeah. it to Jersey. You wouldn't participate in someone calling and be like, hey, we can remove that for $500 of your hard-earned e-coin, you know? Right. And we can sort of like devise the exchange rate a little bit here between USD and Ecoin, at least at the time where Elliot bought that mirror, because okay. you can see both dollars. It's like two hundred and seventy dollars to fifty Bitcoin or Ecoins. Okay, so Ecoins so, seem like it's about today's money. I, I don't honestly. I don't know how to a, like do that IKEA, exchange rate. Like, let's, how much? Let's how much an IKEA medicine cabinet would cost? Like fifty bucks? No, no, fifty bucks. Oh, fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. ecoin is is that's what a lot okay. of people have been saying. Yeah. The fact that ecoin is what like is what everybody is actually paying in, and the American dollars yep. is just. Um, but yeah, and I, I like this comparison when he's dropping off the dog to, you know, deciding to kill yourself and this yes no dialogue box. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always that moment 
that moment of hesitation, he's right, where you have to decide, are you going to delete this thing forever? Because it's unless you catch it, like, immediately it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing I, I do like about his wipe-down procedure is knowing a little bit about how computers work. You can delete something, and you can delete it permanently from your file system, but it is still there. Right. On, like, in your memory, on your hard drive, until it's overwritten yeah. by something else. It still exists, and you can retrieve it. So That's why he's so, he's so concerned with physical destruction. Because right. Because that's, like, you know, drilling the platters of the hard drive is physically destroying the substrate that the data lives on, you know? Yeah. Okay, then we go over to Elliot buying morphine from Hard Andy. And he wants more than Hard Andy is comfortable selling him. Uh, Hard Andy wants more from Elliot than he's comfortable of give, in giving. <laughs> For sure. You can't have my shirt and my pants, but my dick belongs to me and me alone. Yep. Uh, so Andy makes him strip to look for wires because he's suspicious and finally realizes that eh, he's not an undercover. He's probably just going to kill himself with that much morphine. Yep. Because so. he's in his experience, you're either, you're either a narc you're trying to move in to the, the wholesale on his property, trying to Walter you, White him, or you yeah. have a, you have a, you have a death wish because life is just that bad. Heisenberg, <laughs> stay out of my like I. Hard Andy intimidating, like I, I want to know what kind of goon squad Hard Andy has because he's perp, he's perpetrating like Hard Andy's intimidating in that he's, Andy he's, Dick sort of way. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like I say he tells me stay out of my territory. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. and I just pet him, you know. Which is to say, not very. Right. Uh, so Elliot goes to Mobley's brother's house to ask where he can go to pay his respects. And his brother is super pissed off about what Mobley did because of how it's affecting him and mm-hmm. his life. Uh, and he tells off Elliot. Tells him to get the hell out of there. Yeah, no, and this is great because, like, you think you're like this, like, you know, fucking Mobley. He's the ne'er-do-well uh, brother who's destroying mm-hmm. this 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 Muslim who's probably already got it tough enough to to, to go through society without his brother being a fucking terrorist, and by the end yep. of the episode, realize he's uh, yeah he's he's uh, not necessarily one of the good ones. Yep. So Elliot getting shut down in Mobley's brother's house goes to Trenton's house to find her family preparing to move out of the city. He says some pretty nice things about her to her father, for which he's grateful. And her brother, Muhammad, sees everything. Uh, I thought it was interesting that she named herself after the city where her younger brother was born. Really shows kind the relationship. Yeah, exactly. How they feel about each other. Exactly. Or at least how she feels about him. I don't. I don't know. He feels bad about what you know what his role in the whole thing might have been. Also, like, so there's another thread on Reddit that the seven, the remember the seventy one cyber bombings that that was. Yeah. You're supposed to understand that this was. And mourning over physical possessions and monetary loss more than people, but I don't yeah, know. I find that hard to swallow. I thought it was just more convenient than the three thousand two hundred and twelve or whatever that died. Right, right. Um, like I've heard people say, like you know, the day the twin towers fell. Yeah, or that doesn't mean people are sad about the twin towers. It means that it's a. Yep. Yeah, I, I thought that was. I thought that was. I mean, it could mean that, but like, I don't necessarily think it's a required or it's it's particular even an Easter egg. I also no. the whole time I was watching this, I was looking to get the answer to who Trenton sent the email to. Like, I'm yeah. sending some of the trust, and the way her father was just like, "Fuck this, I'm out." <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> was if, like, yeah, maybe she sent, and that's why he was trying to like figure out what was going on with Elliot and, um. 
Turns out the person she trusted is Elliot himself. Yeah, a little surprising. Very surprising in retrospect, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hiding in plain sight. Like, you... Yeah, he would be the guy to send the email to, but... Totally. Didn't expect it. Totally. Um, I, I do like that he's, you know, essentially looking to apologize to his friends before he goes. Yeah. Uh, which is in stark contrast to the way he's treating Darlene. Yeah. He's lying to her. <laughs> and, well, but but Darlene and Angela are in stark contrast to Trenton and Mobley, who never fucked him. Like, Darlene and Angela yeah. have both lied and manipulated him. That's true. And, and that's why he's like, I didn't, I didn't th- find it puzzling that he's that calloused about Angela at all. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay. I, um, let's move on to Elliot sitting on the beach about to down a bag of morphine pills when Muhammad comes up having followed him. Elliot just wants to get back to offing himself, but Muhammad won't go away. So Elliot walks him home. I love Elliot's relationship with this kid. Like it's great. Are you are, are, you, serious, are you serious, man? man? Dude, Dude, this you is can't not. Just stay here. Yeah, this is not cool. I, it's, yeah, it's so great. It's like Elliot with a child is is high comedy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Elliot walks him home. When they arrive, his family's gone. I don't know where the hell they are. But the kid mentions that he's never been to a movie. So Elliot volunteers to take him to one, but only because his parents are going, are not going to be home for at least two hours. Because they went to Connecticut yeah, or something. Perfect amount of time to go watch Back to the Future too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know the whole thing. You think this kid is this like helpless, sad little puppy, and it turns out that he's been playing Elliot the whole time, and it's another inversion from what you think is happening to what is actually happening. Yeah, and I haven't quite. That's one of the areas that I feel I haven't quite deciphered on this episode. Like what this kid's motivation is really mm-hmm. um if he's maybe looking for something that he thinks elliot has i mean uh, i just i it seems i don't know i think kids just act like i think everyone acts out when they're going through ter- severe emotional sure. trauma and i think the way children act out is even more bizarre because they're you know they don't have any they don't have any real like life experience framework to put anything in context mm-hmm so like i don't know plus they're 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 helpless they're in a large place they're very vulnerable so like a 27 year old storming out of the house and going off into the city and hitting bars and is is one level of oh i'm worried about them an 11 year old hitting the streets just because he's he's grief stricken about his sister and he's confused about what you know because he's he's very politically aware like you know the fact that I thought that was interesting, this little um, immigrant story about, like, him realizing he's the only person in his family who could be the president. Um, and his sister's – not only is she dead, but she's a terrorist. And yeah. um, and his mom and dad have to move. Like, that's that's a lot. And, like, you know, what is normal behavior to deal with that? And he doesn't quite grasp the full weight of what's happening sure. either. Sure, sure. Um, you know, th- this idea that he would be president with this in his past is foolish, but from a kid's perspective, he doesn't quite understand it. Right. Um, and I thought it was interesting they're using tennis courts as detention centers. Yeah, uh, the fact that, fences. That, that the New York is under military occupation yeah. with a strict curfew like this, that's the kind of time. Now we're talking. Right. Like, <laughs> yes, this feels like a realistic, like a, a society board teetering on collapse anyway. Yeah. I just don't know where there's not more. It seems like there should be more people starving. There should be mm-hmm. some, 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 like, I, I'm not, I, 
that's the whole top dab is like and 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 it might be more of a budget problem than an ignorance problem but i just not, i'm not seeing the pain this is exactly like in episode one where every time the governor gets on the horn with padme amadala he's like the death toll is catastrophic we're your people are dying but then every time we see naboo it's business as fucking usual yeah like maybe some... every time we go to the booth, they're having a Back to the Future marathon. Right? What the fuck? Right, with everyone in full costume, uh-huh. and you're you're still buying big ass popcorns and cokes. It's like, yeah, it's like I I want. Where's the pain? Yes. Yeah, some... Where's the death toll being unimaginable, man? How many Gungans <laughs> have died? I haven't seen a damn one. Yep. All right. Speaking of Back to Future marathons, here we go. Uh, there, there's one playing when they get to the movie theater, and Ellie makes Elliot makes. Muhammad Eminem popcorn, and he listens to the people in line argue about what the movie Back to the Future Two is about. Uh, once the movie starts, a Doc a Doc Brown, let's let's call him that, asks Elliot to hold his flex capacitor while he's cleaning his glasses, and then Muhammad uses that distraction to sneak out. And Elliot goes outside where he meets a Jewish ice cream man, who agrees to take him to the mosque where Elliot thinks Muhammad is gone, and they talk about War of the Worlds while they drive. A lot of stuff happening here. I'm not quite sure I totally get it. Um, don't know what's up with the Elaines. With the what? Elaines. Is that her name? Elaines. Yeah. Uh, Marty's mom. Oh, right. Like there's two time right. period versions of her. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And she yeah. comes out and she says, oh, I should have been 50s Elaine. I think some of like, I, I there here is, and I could be wrong, but I do think that because the show is deep and does stand up to in-depth scrutiny it does lead the fan base to want to know what the meaning for everything is sure like sometimes i do think like there's some things that are you know the couple passionately kissing i thought might have been an allusion to george and elaine's kiss and back to the future that made everything all better like that this is this is the nadir of the story this is the the point of maximum you know, conflict and the heroes at the lowest point, and now we're going to pull like like from this point forward. You know, Elliot as as Michael J. Fox's photo is going to start solidifying. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to be, but like I think the the two Elaine's coming out are j- is just it's just background comedy. Okay, I mean, does every hat thing Maybe. have to mean everything? I don't know. I mean, he hands him a flux capacitor. What does it mean that his dad like putting M and M's into popcorn? Yeah, does that mean like Angela's the popcorn and and uh, Elliot is the M and M's, and he, he takes both types to make a delicious snack? <laughs> I mean, some shit. Sure. Some shit's just just what it is. It's just it's a surface. Yeah. I mean, I think the flux capacitor thing has to be somewhat important. Um, I don't. I'm not saying like, oh, Elliot's can travel through time. Uh, but it could be a symbolic of him getting this email where he can undo things at the end of time uh, or at the end of the episode. Yeah. So I also think there's some of that was just kind of like it also served as a distraction. Yeah, totally. Because if if the guy didn't hand him his big ass flux capacitor, Elliot would have yeah. noticed the kid piecing out. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and so maybe now is a good time to talk about whether or not you think anything happening in this episode is real. <laughs> Because uh, the thing that grounds me in this episode and says, yes, it is, in fact, real, is the guy behind the concession stand says he saw the kid run out. Indeed. And then people said, well, well there could are be... many kids. Hey, I'm you're sure. right. You're but, right. But on the other hand, a kid running out within the last minute. Yeah. Like how many kids are running out of the theater? Like, I, I think that this is supposed to be 
like the the spinning top in Inception. This is supposed to be our key that says this is real. There is a kid here. The Marty McFly who was explaining the, the the plot mechanics was making eye contact with both Elliot and the little kid. And Sam Esmail is careful enough that if the kid was supposed to be figment of imagination, that guy would have never have looked at anybody but Elliot. Sure. Yeah. Um, and even then, we didn't talk about that. The fact that, like, there's this cute little, well, Back to the Future is about, you know, a person going to the future to change the past. No, actually, it's about going to the future to change the future. Then yeah. And then someone's like, oh, actually, it's just about one mistake can change the world. Right. And people are like, oh, that means time travelers, no dimensional. And my response is, no, fuckers. Back to the Future is, too is about all those things. Yeah. Those yeah. are all accurate depictions of the plot. Mm-hmm. It, like, like the woman coming in flying in the end is not Sam Raimi throwing a bucket of like <laughs> Sam Raimi. Sorry, yeah, he belongs nowhere in this. S- Sam Raimi throwing a shovel full of dirt on <laughs> Bruce Campbell's face. Uh-huh. It's it, it's not necessarily Sam Sam Esmail running in and throwing a bucket of wa- cold water on the time travel. It's just sure. It's just a funny meta conversation about the show. Yeah, that could. Granted, it could be that. And it, and it could be a discussion about the meta conversation about the show, yes. right? Like yes. Itself, because we are out there theorizing about everything and taking all the meanings we can from right. this show. That could just be Sam's way of saying, I acknowledge you. Right. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would caution this kid to not put too much weight in Rotten Tomatoes scores, because <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes is not... Is not gauging how good a movie is. It's gauging how well, how likely you to, or, uh, how an average person enjoying a movie yeah. is essentially like right how it like how, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, if, if it doesn't mean that there aren't critics who didn't like it. It means that it means seventy percent of the critics that saw it had a favorite. If if if, if, if a tomato score seventy, then right. out of ten critics, seven of them would give it a favorable review, and three of them wouldn't. Right, so the more likely to have a higher score you are um, is how you can appeal to everyone. Right. So you're not going to necessarily go into the Avengers or whatever with a 90-something or the Martian with a 92 right? and enjoy that movie simply because most people enjoy it. Right. It's not saying anything about the quality of it. You're an art house type of person. Right. You you know, might hate the Avengers. Yeah, you really need to get further than a score to uh, ever fully qualify something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, uh, there's a couple of... So what do you think about the ice cream yeah. serving Muslim-friendly rabbi playing War of the Worlds that he has an optimistic take on? I thought it was a great... It's, I thought it was a great character. It was, yeah. And this is the type of weirdo... Like, like again, if you're gonna if you're gonna like play around with the top dab scale, like this is the kind of weirdo, bizarre, niche kind of like what the fuck, almost Mad Max mm-hmm. type of character that you like. And also, I do feel like some of this show is some of this episode is talking about like basic humanity, and that that's not a necessarily uh, some like like basic humanity is not something that secularism or religious institutions have a stranglehold on it's something mm-hmm. that it can dwell within any of us with the the a religious devote person because this guy's a i believe a hasidic jew which is like mm-hmm. the espresso <laughs> yeah. version of judaism sure um or at least it, it, it can be and you know, yet this guy is is on very friendly terms with the imams at the at, at several local islamic centers in new york and that's 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 cool 
That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and and his message is um, one of human perseverance, right. and that's the interesting thing to me is that we can have all of this stuff go down, and people can be in very bad situations, but ultimately that human spirit comes through, and we survive it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for those types of. Yeah, stories. we want to we hear that because we don't want to be living through the end yeah. of the fucking world. We want to, and that's... Even in an end-of-the-world scenario, right. like he's describing, War of the Worlds. Like, I've been trying to, you know, if you were, like, like the fact that, like, as bad as it was to be a Jew or a gypsy or a homosexual in a Nazi death camp, it's pretty fucking bad. Mm-hmm humanity has then gone on to thrive since then sure as bad as it was to be when the the black plague was rampaging through north you know europe it you mm-hmm. know humanity survived and thrived as bad as smallpox was in the new world um you know humanity continued to survive and thrive despite the fact that the you know an asteroid obliterated most of the life on earth 67 million years ago like it, it is like in, in the darkest hour. There's still going to be rays of light, and there's still going to be uh, acts of heroism, compassion, and as yeah. long as that continues to be, then 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 we'll we'll survive till the next asteroid. And, and so much of of our survival is tied up in that idea of never giving up, right? And I think that strikes a, a, a note here with Elliot, who is about to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also an, an interesting thing from a person who is like there's a couple of uh, there's a thread about like suicide and depression, and they talk there's uh, the, the 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 op the original parent post was saying that he thought it was interesting that Elliot the turnaround point or the beginning of his turnaround was realizing that this Back to the Future thing is something he had looked forward to his whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, like sometimes, like when you're in the depths of depression, remembering a time when you were happy or anticipating is like, well, yeah. shit, I haven't always felt this way, so maybe I won't feel this way again. That can be like a real breakthrough when you're when you're clinically yeah. depressed. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was like some of this stuff that the show does is, is pretty incredible. If I don't know if they were trying to suggest that or that's just part of the narrative, but the fact that it can speak to people who have had suicidal, I. You know, like idea, uh, ideation and and tendencies, and and be in the depths of clinical depression is, uh, I mean, shit. That's really good storytelling. Yeah, and I think um, it's also tied in. They let, in typical Mister Robot fashion, they let the scene kind of linger a little bit longer than necessary to get yeah. all the dialogue in. Yeah. Um, and you can hear the War of the Worlds description at the end say another life, a life that has no continuity with the present. Right. And you can kind of look at that through that lens the yeah. of suicide right like you were once happy i know right now you are very depressed and things look like they will never turn around but there can be another life that has no continuity with the present hmm. or you can take it to say an alternate universe where none of this shit ever <laughs> happened and everybody's happy and angelo is joyful again yeah, yeah indeed but I don't know. That That's one thing they do so well here is sort of confuse and muddy the waters. It honestly reminds me a lot of some of the best of the leftovers. Yeah. Which is, if you, you, know, if you listen to our podcast, that's high fucking praise. Yep. All right. We move on to Elliot finding Muhammad alone at the mosque. And they shout at each other, um, during which they Muhammad says, I wish you were dead. Elliot says, I wish I was too. Uh, and Muhammad says that he feels like he's responsible for what his sister did. And Elliot tells the kid to put the blame on him instead. Uh, and Muhammad starts talking about how he's the only one in his family who could be a dictator. And they talk about where they were born. 
He doesn't use the term dictator. He doesn't even know the term dictator, but Elliot does. He just wants to make everyone like him. Yeah, that's all. And eat pop tarts for dinner. Yeah, nothing. But that's that's a that's that's uh, a dictator. It's a, it's it's like a really bad president. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the 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 scene. This scene is beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, and... I can't get over those overhead shots of that carpet with him standing next to each other. Um, and it's funny because this isn't the first time i've seen the inside of a mosque but it's the only it's only the second time that i've hmm. that well it's only it's the first time i've seen a mosque on on uh on american television that did not have like oh this is a a terrorist cell right that keith or sutherland's gonna like bust fucking in fucking dirt floors and, or yeah. carrie matherson from homeland's gonna come in here right. and chase out some dude that <laughs> some 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 fucking imam that's been on the take and he's wearing all black robes yeah and this is a well-appointed mosque it it is it's not funny but it's it, it's nice and it's 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 yeah it's what's cool about it is it shows it for what it really is. It's it's a lot like any other like Christian community place center. of worship. Yeah, it's there's nothing weird going on in here. There is there's like I thought it's interesting that the I, I, I'll do a lot because the Muslim the Muslim center weird, in Plainfield, but... the one I've been inside, had this similar type of carpet where it's like faux individual squares of carpet. Okay. To kind of yeah. like delineate, like here's where your nose Just and here's rip. where your asshole goes. And <laughs> okay, like sure. Muhammad was saying there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder if that's like kind of because like I've as I've gone around a lot of churches, it seems like they all have the same kind of pew style or the same kind because it works, right? Yep. You got the little hoop for the little cup of wine, and you got the little rack for the prayer books and your song books and all that kind of shit. Like, mm-hmm. do all do all mosques have like you either have like a bare floor that everybody brings their own BYOC, mm-hmm. bring your own carpet, or does it they have this like faux individual square carpets just so everybody knows where to get down? It's probably similar. Yeah. In, in whatever mosque you go to. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been in a, a mosque personally. Mm. Um, I don't know that I've ever been in like, uh, I've been in Catholic churches for weddings and stuff, but never to uh, worship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on to Elliot and Muhammad arriving home. Uh, Muhammad pulls out a key and he opens up the front door, which kind of upsets Elliot, or Elliot a little bit. Oh, the other thing is like, yeah, I, before this last scene, did Speaking of overanalyzing, did you think that when the kid, when the kid was was screaming at Elliot about like you know all these invectives, and then also he made Elliot take his shoes off, that this was supposed to be kind of like a, suggesting that Elliot's being called into the carpet to like you know mm-hmm. this is for him to, uh, to get forgiveness for to like confess and to like, uh, you know, take responsibility for his actions. Okay, because the whole other thing is like. But you I know, feel like Elliot he says it wasn't anyone's that. fault. Like he took full responsibility for it. Yeah, but then he says you talk about yourself a lot. Mm. So I, I feel like that confuses the issue. If you want to, and he's also been realizing that. Like that's the thing that has driven him to this end is knowing that he alone, whatever aspect of him Mr. Robot is, has done this thing and enjoyed it. Yeah, and I remember. So if anything, I feel like it's almost the opposite. Some someone pointed out that like when we first met Trenton, that you know, and they were being you were being introduced to the members of F Society. The introduction was something along the lines of she's got a little bit of Alu Akbar in her, which is hmm. it, Admiral Akbar. No, it's 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 just oh. it's just Islamic. It's just the Arabic way of saying God is great, but it's also um, okay. you know it's something that a suicide bomber would shout before they trigger their vest, and that's oh. kind of like right. I think the traditional. The like western connotation which is kind of fucked up sure um 
But where was I going? Like that's oh the fact that like are they trying to suggest that like no one put a gun to Trenton or Mobley or uh, Rome is that the other guy Roman Romero Romero yeah. um, or even Darlene no no one put a gun to these heads like these like Elliot told them his plan and idea and they believed in it enough to do it so like mm-hmm. I think that's you're on to something where you say to kids say like you talk about yourself a lot like. Yeah, you you maybe you're the blame for the idea, but it's not like these people didn't get into it with their eyes wide open. Sure. I mean, they didn't yeah. know they're going to get tricked and made a fool of by the Dark Army and all that other stuff and, and White Rose, yeah. but, you know. Okay. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no problem. Um, Elliot and Muhammad arrive home. Muhammad pulls out a key and opens up at the front door. Elliot's not too happy about that. Um, then the kid apologizes for making Elliot late and hopes he can still do his important thing which we know is killing himself and asks if they can see each other again elliot promises to take him to the martian before he moves uh at what point did elliot decide not to kill himself because like i felt like it was before this okay because like there's there's a lot of interesting things to discuss in this episode um the fact that the kid having the key the whole time is a reference to could be a reference to Angela's experience with her younger self where oh, the boy. key is in my fist, the fist is in my pocket, the key has been there the whole time, uh-huh. and another child kind of like that. Um, but, like, I felt like Elliot losing his shit here when the kid went in to get something was him. Like, I feel like at this point he realized that he can't kill himself because he made a promise similar to the one that he made to Darlene, mm-hmm. and now he's realizing that... He has to, you know, kind of be. He he can't do this to Darlene, much less. He can't do this to this kid, much less to his kid sister. Okay, yeah, I could buy that. And then the lollipop, I got. I actually, I felt pretty good because I, 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 I got that right away since we made such a big deal of the lollipop fixation with uh, Dom from last season. Mm-hmm. But clearly, if it points uh, a way forward with uh, Elliot working with Dom. Or at least I think that's yeah. what the that's what the uh, lollipop's yeah. supposed to symbolize. I mean, the idea that this information that he needs, that the keylog data, is, is also in the FBI, with the, with the FBI. FBI right. Yeah, the only link we have to the FBI at the moment is Dom. So, right. I uh, guess yeah, it's not as clever once you just pause and read the email that Trenton sends at the end. <laughs> right. Gee, you wonder where you're going to go next, Elliot. Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, so Elliot goes back to Mobley's brother with some incriminating info that he got from hacking him, and he tells him that he's going to have to have a funeral for Mobley, whether he likes it or not. And he also gives him the morphine that he got from Hard Andy, who turns out to be a client of his law firm. Mm, shady clients. Yeah, a lot of shady clients in that law firm, apparently. Uh, anything you want to say about this? No, I mean, this it, is just it the comeuppance. Me, reminds me of early season one of Mr. Robot, where I thought this was going to be like a hack of the week kind of thing, where it's going to be mm-hmm. like kind of like a ju- like like justified, where yeah, there'll be a narrative arc, but also Elliot will take down the child pornographer right. running a coffee shop de jour, or Krista's cheating because, boyfriend, yeah, 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 husband. Yeah, guy, he's going to yeah. be like a hacker vigilante, like before it became this big fucking space opera. Yeah, um, but it was yeah, just, just just him doing 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 justice on a personal level mm-hmm. um, for some fucker that uh, for his friend, right, right, yeah. All right, and that's a, I mean that's almost even kind of. Uh, an interesting medic conversation that like Muslims are not in this dichotomy of like good people and terrorists. They can just be a shit bird like anybody else. Sure, yeah. They're they just take, a mundane run of the mill. They can take dirty money and uh-huh. be corrupt and like, you know, they're not angels and they're not devils. They're just fucking people like anybody. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, 
you know, her Trenton's dad is so grateful when he says something nice sure. about her because he's just treating them like people, right? Not like Muslims, you know. Right. He's they're human beings. Uh, so Elliot finally goes to see Angela. She won't open the door, so he sits in the hall and he reminisces aloud about the wishing game that they used to play. And those wishes never came true, but they enjoyed it all the same, and that seems to help Angela. Well, I thought the real the the part where it's like we never the ending wasn't our favorite part anyway was I mean, this is all this is what Angela's been doing with White Rose, right? Mm-hmm. She's been playing the wishing game and they, she opened her eyes and oh shit, seventy one buildings are on fire. Yeah. Um so this is I guess like Elliot's taking this moment of like forgiveness and grace that he got from this kid and is trying to pass it on to to, yeah. to to Angela. And I almost wonder if Elliot hasn't come to some better understanding about, you know, what Mr. Robot is. It's like the part of him that wishes his father was still alive and so that he could make amends the way that he's doing with like trying to do with Mobley and Trenton after the fact. Right. Because um, this wishing game, the way he describes it is it's a game they played knowing full well that these wishes would never come true. He's never going to get his dad back. Angela's never going to get her mom back. But that wasn't the part that excited them about the wishing game. Like, the the end result. It was more about, like, following the wish. Like, actually doing the wishing. It, it was just, like, the remembrance of their parents, right? Yeah, and also the, the, the part at the end where, like, no matter what happens, we'll be okay. I mean, yeah. that's... That's an important thing to remember. Like, no matter what yeah. shit you're going through, like, you're going to be okay. You're, st- you're you're still breathing, and as long as that's happening, you still got a fighting chance. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like one thing I – that was like a kind of mantra that I learned in therapy is that, like, say you, – you, you say that you're going to be okay because you already are, you know? Like, like the act of, of getting help hmm. and the act of taking steps and – the act of you know becoming more aware of your state of mind is like just part of the healing that that's that's already. It's like you know after an accident when you're in a hospital bed, you got a long road ahead of you and it sucks and it's going to be hard and you're going to need medicine and 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 doctoring and physical therapy and all that stuff. But you're already okay. You're out of sure. the ICU and all that, and that's like something that is important when you're going through. A, a tough time unless you're uh, on an episode of house and then never be sure that you're out it's of lupus yeah and it's going to finally yeah. come and claim you so for sure <laughs> <laughs> until until house swoops in you just gotta right. find house yeah you'll be all good all right ellie goes home where mr robot uh where the mr robot jo- jacket is dumped off on the sidewalk in front of him this, i, I don't it, know why this doesn't bother me more because i'm yeah. the infamous like fucking 737 down over ABQ, Fishnado. Right. You, I, it's a I, huge coincidence. It is a huge here. coincidence. It is a huge coincidence. On the other hand, this all seems self-contained within Elliot's neighborhood. So okay. He probably just walked like, down like the street. It's not like he went to Brooklyn and then went home to his new... And, like, you know, it's... Yeah. It, it It's a lot more likely when stuff stays in the same geogra- geographic coordinates. And, and also, again, this show... I did played this trick where it's just dreamlike enough that I accepted things on both a literal and not an emotional level. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't really looking for the literal storytelling here. Yeah, which um, I don't. I cannot defend that. I cannot like if you listen to my season one or my season two of Fargo or my season two Breaking Bad podcast or any other time I get fucking all bent out of shape about a coincidence. <laughs> but I, I feel like if they set you up properly and say, "Look, don't." worry about how this logically connects yeah, like, like 
I'm going to go back to the fly, right? The whole palette has been changed. Like, they're they're painting with a different... And I was yeah. ready to go for it, where it's like... It's not like I was in the middle of a, you know, a, 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 a tight boiler episode of Mr. Robot, and then suddenly, yeah, you know... Do, Deus Ex Machina happens, right? I don't like. I said, I, I I don't know that you can defend it. I just I just coincidences bother me when they're hacky and stupid and mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. And this didn't seem like it was. So yeah. So he, he takes the jacket and he goes inside and fixes his mirror. He repairs his computer and he finds the email that Trenton sent him, all while talking about how much he would have regretted actually hitting delete. Yep, those things that you thought didn't have value to became important or. Yeah, the he things you find a purpose for. Like I, I remember, you know, speaking of Bitcoin, like Bitcoin went <laughs> through the fucking roof over the holiday break, yeah. and now I have a third time that I can tell everyone that I missed the Bitcoin because because it was three at years seven ago, grand like a week ago. Three years ago, we owned twenty nine Bitcoins. Yeah, it, was, it was above twenty, yeah. And if we had retained those, we would be uh, hundred thousand. Th- we'd be a third. We'd be a third of the way to billionaires. Uh, no billionaires get million, out of here that's a million. Oh, i thought you said billion well i'm a mush mouth so um i forget what the fuck i was gonna i was going on with that but uh, no it's about the interesting thing to oh, me is how he would have killed himself here right before getting the email that blows it all open well, how his life does have value he just didn't see it well there's also like an r slash bitcoin like three years ago when bitcoin first blew up to 100 there yeah. was a guy <laughs> Who came on there? Who had a he had mined like two thousand some in some wallet that he lost the you know he just lost track because they were worth pennies oh, and he's like fuck. and I'm like what imagine so when when that was like two million dollars that you'd want to kill yourself right now it's like two billion and now it's like you'd be you'd be one of the wealthiest people <laughs> right yeah it, and that's you'd another be thing Satoshi like, himself right <laughs> where are the stories. Of these Bitcoin million and billionaires, because they absolutely like those Winklevoss twins are billionaires on paper, multiple things now, or on encrypted paper anyway. They've been billionaires now; they're probably multi billionaires. Yeah, and like I I know, like there was a there was a guy who had like some three or four thousand bitcoins that back when Bitcoin was got to thousand dollars, he was talking about you know what how crazy it was, and now like Jesus. You yeah, the, the scary thing about Bitcoin to me is I would never know when to sell. Right. Because if it gets to 200000 a coin yeah. and you've got 20 coins, do you sell? That's $4 million I bucks. I don't know. Or like there's a, the other op- the story that always Actually, goes around. $40 million bucks. Is the guy talking about – there's a post from Reddit like four, four years ago where a guy like spent three – like the, the first – pizzeria that took bitcoins he bought a large pizza with 30 bitcoins oh jesus and people always, and people always think of like that's now the x amount dollar pizza it's it's now <laughs> the three hundred thousand dollar pizza yeah yeah like it's just just run what's you know obviously if uh you, if any economists are listening there's like a red alarm bell probably because like this is Absolutely. a currency whose value is 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 actually not in any kind of exchange of goods it's a mm-hmm. it's a speculative invest, investment vehicle yeah but you could go back to fucking abraham lincoln and say he bought a corn cob pipe for 1 cent mm-hmm. as the world's most expensive corn cob pipe cuz 1 cent right. today is worth 100,000 bucks that's that's the opposite of <laughs> yeah i think what's going on in bitcoin but i think so anyway tot dab all around all right um so yeah this is the email that i think is going to blow everything wide open uh it says something about keylog data that romero got um 
off the machines that they were using to do all the encoding of the financial record. Here's what, because I remember us having this debate last year about the fact that this data is not gone, it's encrypted in such a way yeah. that it might as well be, like without the key, and that apparently what F Society did is they encrypted it and then threw away the keys. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Romero had used a key logger, and if you don't know what key logger, just literally every time you push a key on your computer and sometimes click a mouse, it keeps mm-hmm. track of that in a sequential thing. So what does that tell you? Well, if you played it back and you knew the context, you could tell you know, people's passwords. You could see what websites they go to. You could literally read the contents of their email, anything they typed into that device. Right. So it stands to reason of every terminal had a physical key logger that at some point someone entered the key and you could decrypt that and play it back and get that key sequence it would probably be a lot of work to do it but it's it's now in within the realms of mr robot possible i'm gonna go ahead and say less work than setting up an entire new economy yes yes (laughs) now there is an also open question that like there's been so much economic damage done. Yeah, like even Why at this would they point, if you like, like, like if you could roll back the economy to like sixty days, what does that even fucking mean? Yeah, you could restore everyone's loans and credits and banking. Like I, you know, like it's like what happens now? I mean, it's unprecedented. Yeah, people would owe the same amount of dollars that they owed before, right? Right. Or, or they would be holding on to the same amount of dollars before, but that. That number, that dollar amount has been so inflated at this point. Right. Like inflation's good. What when is you, that? Inflation's good when you have debt. Sure. It's bad yeah. when you have savings. Right. So what does that even look like if you restore all that and now you've got this new e-coin currency that everybody's using? E-coin, or like e-corp still dist- gets destroyed, right? Because like, you know, if I owned $200,000 on a house, which now could buy a bushel of apples, mm-hmm. well, then I... You know, shit. I just I just write a check for two hundred e coins and I'm done. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's going to be real is... interesting if they take this show that direction where they undo yeah. in that way um, that they find the the decryption keys. Man, I I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. I hope they do. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know, know that we'll get there, but also. Maybe. And everybody, you know, with the bucket of cold water theory for Sam Esmail thrown on time travel, we're now back to like, okay, I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory, but if you do, what the fuck is is White Rose doing with uh, her the Congo her particle accelerator in the in yeah. the Congo? I don't know. Because that's Quantum the other thing. Computers it's like, and bitcoins. I mean, right? Like, you can, like if she wants to manipulate some kind of cryptocurrency, she already yeah. did. She did it by just. You yeah, know. you don't need a quantum computer yeah, to do it. it. Seems like you just need the full might of the dark army, <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, we also find out that that keylog data is in the hands of the FBI because they seized it from his place. Yep. Uh, when he died, enter uh, enter Dom. Right. Inter I mean, the this lollipop. is the connection that we've been waiting for, like to see how and that's Dom's the thing. Get we involved. thought Dom would go over to Elliot's side. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe it's like they start something completely new, like because there's no. Dom cannot work within the rubric of the FBI on this. No, no, no. So she's her, definitely going to... She would have to do it covertly. Right. Um, and against her entire organization's wishes. Right. But I could see her doing that. Because her immediate upwards on the chain to command is dirty as fuck. Yes. Dirty as a car that hasn't been washed for a year. <laughs> um. All right. 
That's it. I think that's it for the episode. It only took yeah. us an hour and 12 minutes to work our way through it. All Dense right. episode. It was, yeah. Very, very heavy, some might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the opposite of an ad. That's the thing. Like, action-oriented episodes, super easy to break down because it's just yeah. essentially talking about what happened. These emotional imagery-heavy episodes, like, you got to talk about feelings and mm-hmm. what's it all mean, man? I don't know. Hey, I, uh, I I highlighted our our club Christmas, our, our Mary Culkin or Keatmas. Um And it, it made me think about all the different Christmas extravaganzas that people might have missed. Uh, let's go back to 2015, a little gym called Cache La Vue. Mm, yeah. Jim, could you briefly describe the Cache La Vue caper? Uh, it's a hilarious practical joke where you uh, went to a family event and you put some fake shit in the a Christmas sink. party. I went to my Christmas aunt's Christmas party. party. Uh, lots of family members gathered around, and you put some fake doo-doo right in the sink. Very realistic fake doo-doo. Just okay. waiting for people to find it. Cachet Love You is a, is a pigeon French translation that means who shit the sink. And I, I video record. I, 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 yeah. I announced this on a lunch with Jim and Aaron. Got everybody hyped for it. And then I recorded the whole thing from a hidden camera. And we we broke it down Zapruder style. We like yeah. went through it over that lunch. It's one of the many awesome Christmas projects we've done over the years. It's entertaining and hilarious, and no one got hurt. Nope. No one got hurt in the in the shitting of the sink. Last year was the the badass Christmas, the Baldwin that, badass Christmas. Yeah, where we've watched three badass movies from the biggest badasses around. And you can imagine it's uh, it was uh, uh, a Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> it's it's die, <laughs> die Hard. Hard. It was Die Hard. It was Jingle All the Way. It was Rocky Four and was, Rocky Four because Rocky fought uh, Drogo on uh, Christmas Day in yep. Russia. And we did a Wonderful Life for the the Christmas surprise. Mm-hmm. Will the Christmas surprise this year be as heartwarming? You'll uh-huh. have you'll have to join the club club.ballmove.com if you want to know this and many other awesome club features. We talked about the movies. Do you want to hear our spoiler filled reviews for the Disaster Artist? You mm-hmm. got to be on the club member. Do you want to hear a spoiler filled take for uh, the 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 Last Jedi? Got to be a club member. Club.ballmove.com and thanks in advance for your support. Uh, you in the mood for some feedback? Nah, nah. We'll All skip right. it this week. Well, you know, it's been. You a, can do it. You in the audience. It's been a long. It's been a. It's been a long something. Uh, <laughs> sure, let's do some feedback. Why All not? right, robot at baldmove.com is where you send this stuff. Um, let's start with Aqua A. Aaron talked about how he thought the super rich groups controlling the world was unbelievable and actually harmful for viewers. I guess he thought it was such an obvious thought that he didn't have to offer uh, or an explanation or examples. But for me, it's funny because we currently found out that Russian powers affected our election in the U.S. and are every day finding out how connected our leaders are to Russian powers. Many people in television news have familiar connect, uh, connections to government officials, uh, how the U.S. government attacked black social revolution groups in the 60s, and finally MK Ultra. It's just what we know. If you think Putin can pull strings in the U.S. from Russia, I think many rich people in the USA also do. I also think Aaron is a bit too positive. He gives some reasons why. He doesn't want people to have a reason to be apathetic and give up. I'll give old positive Aaron some hope. Whenever I think the super rich uh, make creating a just and free world impossible, I always think about how a British colony thought a probably derelict British king actually got free. That seems impossible to me, some sort of David and Goliath situation, but it actually happened. So maybe modern people fighting the super rich will get lucky and face a lazy King Louis. Keeps me going and fighting every day. Not to downplay it, Aaron's very clever analogy about social schizophrenia is part of the problem, too. Um, mm. I don't... I mean... I don't... Obviously, conspiracy theories actually happen. 
You know, you cited a couple. Actually, happen. You, you, conspiracies actually happen. Sure, like you know the not F, all like the FBI infiltrating you know communist and socialist and 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 black black power movements and civil rights movements and trying mm-hmm. to fuck around with that and you know the different banana republics we've been involved in and MK Ultra and like the the, the stuff that going on. Although I wouldn't say the Russian stuff is a conspiracy so much as it's just a. It's a mili- it's it's a yeah, cyber warfare. cyber military operation. Yeah, um, it's just that like I, I think it's different from conspiracy theories, which are things that don't have any proof. Because like, and, and, and here's my problem is like you saying that's just what we know, <laughs> but we know I, it. I, I kind of think that's that the same as saying that's. I mean, what does that even mean? Like, is there a conspiracy theory involving thousands of people that we don't know about? Like. To me, mm. the probability of a conspiracy being uncovered approaches one the more people that are involved and the longer the time. Sure. And that's like, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. Like, I, uh, it's, it's an impossible, it's an impossible argument that talking about specific concrete examples because the, you know, the, the stuff you're talking about right now, we have, we're already uncovering evidence. It's not much of a conspiracy so much as it's a... Oh, but he can't talk about the ones that we don't know about yet. Right, right. So, like, and, and that's the thing. Him. Like, it, that's I'm... what I'm saying. Like, it, you know, the, the, it's it's fine. Like, rich and powerful people are rich and powerful, and, and they're going to try to hold on to their wealth and their power, but there's a ton more of us than there are of them, and some of them are on our side, bro- broadly speaking. Like not yeah. every rich and it's powerful true. person is a fucking asshole mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't see that where they've gotten a society is is built on the back of society itself, and they have to keep the framework of society running, or it all comes it all comes crashing to to a halt. Right. Um, so, like I said, I'm I'm eternally optimistic and hopeful. It's just that zooming into the time period that we're living in, I mean, we could be living in like a Great Depression, or you know rise of fascism kind of situation um but yet like we talked about in the podcast there's still rays of light in those environments yeah i mean the the way i kind of always understood your like pushback on the believability here is not that it was like oh white rose can control the government of a country and and ram you know these votes or policies through it was more like the consolidation of so many different types of power, like right. being in the financial institutions and so deeply embedded in the political structure of a specific government, and yeah. also, um, you know, in the water treatment facilities, and right, like there, there were just so many things tied By up nations, in like an e corp like, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing, where it's cars and phones and banking and, yeah. and all that stuff, but. Honestly, when we when we look at companies like Google or Amazon, uh-huh. those are becoming realities. And I know sure. it's not spread to like banking yet. You're not sending your money to Amazon to bank it. But goddamn, if you don't do just about everything you do on Google, you got Amazon Pay and you got Google Pay and you got sure, sure. I, you know, whatever and you can get Apple credit Pay. cards that are not really through them. It's more through like Chase or something. But like that's that, the other but... thing is like these these rich people compete amongst themselves as well. It's they they do sure. not. Yeah, I mean that's where you start getting into the Rothschilds and the Illuminati shit. Like as right. if these rich, powerful people are a one block that are entirely united in everything they do, and right. it spans even the globe. Like even like, it's like once you get so high, it's like you don't even. There's not even. It's just it's just rich society. It's eyes wide shut. I, uh-huh. That's where it's like no 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 no. Calm down. Just like we talk about Muslims, 
they're the, these are people of all different types and they all have different competing ambitions and, and worldviews and philosophies. And I mean, again, that's what I genuine, genuinely believe. And also that it seems like the arrow of progress does point one direction. It can, you can take, you know, it's a two steps forward, one step back situation, but you know, what, what point in history since recorded human history began, would you switch for someone in right now? Right. Like, you know, you want to go 100 years back when women couldn't vote and alcohol was illegal mm-hmm. and people died of polio. Your, your kid had a good chance of being an iron lung. Do you want to go 200 years back where we didn't didn't have fluoride and toothbrushes and even our greatest leaders like Washington, like was in crippling dental pain all the time. And he had fucking horse teeth and everything. Else. Like, you know, a thousand years like where when when is a better time to live in than now? Yeah. And at what, like, uh, how many points Hopefully in history can anyone say, boy, I wish I lived 100 years ago? Yeah. And, yeah, hopefully hopefully that will continue until an asteroid smacks us or the heat death of the universe claims us. Uh, AJW, enjoy the podcast, but no clue what the adjective top dab means. Please explain. <laughs> I think you got think, that. I think you got that in the top of the podcast. Um, Tammy in Texas. I think Jim is right about Angela. She's been a wooden, emotionless zombie for way too long. I was happy to see her in this childish state, even though it's very sad. At least it's something. I think she's in shock, <laughs> and this is her way of dealing with it by trying to convince herself that all these people aren't dead. Yeah, I didn't see a five-year-old. I saw a broken woman there. Okay. Is what I saw. A mentally just destroyed person. Well, I'm glad you're engaged with Angela. Yeah. Because finally, I've took been, three I've, seasons. I've, I've enjoyed her low this time. <laughs> Actually, other than season one, like I, I've, I've enjoyed Angela since she became something other than the annoying friend-zoned object of Elliot's affection. Yeah. That's kind of like the eternal carrot that's dangling just out of his grasp. Like she's become so much more interesting uh, now that she's taken on this this kind of agency and role of her own. Uh, hello. I don't think I've seen it mentioned anywhere else, but have you noticed that the, during the scenes at Mar-a-Lago, there are zero women in the room? I did not notice that. Hmm. But it is an interesting observation. I'll say... I, I guess I would expect a certain type of woman to be in that room. Also, are we counting, are we counting White Rose? Uh, no, I mean, obviously not. That's the thing, like, well, I don't know. Otherwise, well, otherwise the count would be one. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, um, because that's where it gets tricky. Like, I yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if people, I, mean, I got an email about it, but I felt self-conscious where, like, I ref- when, when, when White Rose is Zang, I tend to refer to him as he. Mm-hmm. When, when White Rose is in her White Rose, I, I tend to refer to her as she. It's all about presenting to me. That's like, like what I, are you presenting yourself as? What do you want me to think you are in this moment? Yeah, it seems like you can't go wrong by going with what someone's trying to present as. Yeah. And with a person like Zhang slash White Rose where, you know, even their personal assistant that is aware of both of their roles refers to him as a ma- in a masculine pronoun and a masculine name and ma- in private yeah when he's wearing a suit makes it think like and the fact that so many of these characters have dual characterizations like it i don't know it's but it's i think it's a little where... confusing with white rose too because i don't think that 
White Rose wants to present as a man necessarily when she is. That's the thing. Like, wh- where, what is what is Zang slash White Rose think in their hearts of hearts? Do they, do they identify right. as a woman or as a man or as a switch? But or I'm not. It... I'm not comfortable putting that on them. Right? right. Like, you can't say no. You really want to be a woman, so I'm going to call you she. Right. And and they the character itself has been silent on the subject. Right. So it's like I don't. I don't think I'm misgendering. Well, first of all, it's a fictional character. Yeah. So the stakes of me hurting their feelings are very low. <laughs> no, there will uh, never be an episode where White Rose says. Hey, Ron, you hurt my feelings. Right. When you miss, but, but also, it's like, how do you misgender someone that hasn't clearly expressed and has switches their present? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. Like I said, I'm try, I try sure. to do the right thing, but uh, Zang slash White Rose is, is uh, hard for me to get my handle, uh, uh, handle on. Uh, Scott says, you keep mentioning how unrealistic the economic situations of Mr. Robot are, but they spoke to a lot of experts to inform the writing, and he connects me to a Medium.com article. Medium is no economic expert. Come on. Well, it's an interview with Cora <laughs> Donna, who we talked yeah, about yeah, yeah. is like, you He's know, producer, their er advisor. And yeah, uh, he does mention that they talked to I mean, he doesn't mention them by name. But he says that they talked to economic advisors about you know what the world would look like and they compared like the banking crisis of greece and the great depression and and, and to me so I, I feel like after reading and thank you scott for sending me the article i feel like their heart is in the right place but because of budget or production they're just not selling it again it's like hmm. episode one where clearly you're supposed to understand the naboo people are deeply hurting but you just never see it and every time you do see it, yeah. it seems like it's business as usual. So the disparity between what their re- I, I don't I don't know what their research said. Like I, I I haven't yet seen a bread line. Like all I see is trash in the streets and people buying batteries and apples for grossly inflated pricing. I really really I, wish and like, people are intense. Obviously, that's an uptick of homelessness. I guess. Here's the thing: we've done some jokes. I know nobody who's listening to this listens to Walking Dead. But we cover The Walking Dead, and we've made these jokes about how they should hire us as the writers because we could do a better job, right? Yeah. I really wish that someone on one of these shows would hire me as, like, a historian or something of the show itself so ah. that I can go document all of these fucking conversations that happen that would be so fascinating as special features. Like, what if I could get in the room with Sam Esmail and Cordana and when they're Dude, talking to their economic advisors, what watch, did the conversation I look like? I would watch four hours of unedited footage. I'd of watch a hundred hours. Yeah, get it on of, Twitch. On, on Let's the, do on, this. On the Blu-ray like, of them talking about the different and brainstorming and all that stuff. Like, I... We you have could just, make a full box set of every season with six someone's going discs. to do it. Someone is going they to need do to. like because I. The other thing is like I want a podcast. Well, like, like, like our, our my my friend Kim Renfro on the Insider does this thing called Showrunners, where it's a podcast where she interviews different uh, and and her other people, uh, other associates at the Insider interview showrunners. I want someone like a Dan Harmon or a Sam Esmail or a Vince Gilligan to actually film large chunks of the writer's room. Like, just have a camera yeah. going in the writer's room from the time they walk in to the time they break it down and make it into, like, an eight-hour feature of how, like, a season of a show gets made. Because I think, and I know it's, and that's the other thing, is, like, that could be, it, it happens differently in different writer's room, and I think it's yeah. endlessly fascinating. I would love to see those kind of special features. And we're going that way with our content in general, right? Like, we... right. We want that kind of insider access, and if you want, we to, want like commentaries, we want behind the scenes. You features. could make, we... you could make money off of a show that never fucking airs if you just put a <laughs> camera in the writers' room and says, yeah, and say, pay us a subscription fee for the 
nine months that we're writing and shooting oh, this yeah. thing, and you'll have insider access. Six ninety nine a month. Boom. There's no way, guys. The spoilers. Yeah, I guess you couldn't do it pre. It'd have to, that's it'd have the thing. to be it'd after have, it. Now, but. I thought you were going or like, this was a failed pilot that never got picked up. Yeah, you but could this do that. Was like, you and can this do is that everything we filmed. Here's how we came up with the show Bible. We're going to spool our... it out for X months yeah. and you can get it all yeah. in. No, I mean, we're like super nerds about this. I don't know if it would be. But like, that's the thing is that shit's cheap. Like, yeah. how much does it cost to have a couple of wireless webcams that are feeding into some big NAS right. and pay an intern to go through and either put it all in bulk for like the super fans or like edit it down to its most interesting bits. It's a great idea and I think yeah. The first show to like experiment with that kind of stuff will totally. see that it's totally worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Mike from Louisiana, simple question. If the country world slash world just went through a major financial crisis and terrorist attack do you think people would still cosplay a back to the future marathon <laughs> that's love the, thing. the show but yeah. major tot dab alert and you know, back to the future transcends the end of the world i gotta say well it's interesting because i was actually as i was putting up my christmas lights um i was on my ladder and i had this thinking i'm like because I, I was thinking about this tax bill that's currently winding its way through through mm-hmm. uh congress and i'm like because i'm convinced that these policies are identical to the ones that got us into the Great Depression. I thought you were going to say the Biff Tannen implements <laughs> yeah. when he becomes the leader of the free world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, what, what happened is General Flynn stole the 1984 Sports Almanac, <laughs> and that's how. Oh, um, I and I and I, I'm very I'm very convinced that like these are the exact same policies that like the Coolidge administration enacted in 1926 that led to the Great Depression. Uh-huh. And I was thinking as I was putting up the Christmas lights, I'm like, man. I don't want to go. Like I just, I built myself this nice life. I've got this podcasting thing, and like you know, my son is is you know he's eleven years old. What the fuck is he going to do? And I thought like, well, if the world goes to shit, I still bought these Christmas lights, and I've got a shit ton of bulbs, and like you know, if I, if I can afford electricity, I can still have a nice Chris. Like you know, and I maybe these wow. people, these people had nice. They had nice Doc Brown costumes and like like they're they're Back to Future fans and it's like hey not gonna throw them out yeah I got this cosplay thing let's like it doesn't cost me anything let's go out and represent yeah maybe or maybe, maybe it's a giant tot dab violation I I don't know yeah maybe Doc Brown costumes are super cheap on Ecoin I gotta say I felt like Doc Brown trying to connect my Christmas lights this year because I was like. Up on a step stool, leaning over, trying to desperately connect two lights that didn't quite have the reach. Yeah, yeah. It was a bad scene. I almost fell off my roof and died. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Doc Brown. I can't, I can't. You cl- hung onto your clock, your giant tower. I did. I can't climb a 10, 12 pitch like I could as a teenager, <laughs> apparently. Uh, <laughs> Brent J. Sometimes when you're barreling towards chaos, it's nice to take a breath. That's why I enjoyed this episode, even though it felt like we're just wasting a bit of time. The wonderful pop culture touchstones this week were top-notch, not just Back to the Future. If you haven't, you owe it yourself to watch Danny Boyle's debut film, Shallow Grave, starring none other than Mapleton's own Matt Jameson. Oh, shit. I didn't realize it was Danny Boyle. Right? That's the 30 Days Later guy. Yeah. Not sure if the themes of the film seep into the episode. It's one of my favorite films, and I really enjoyed the reference. I'm ashamed to admit until I got this feedback that I assumed that that this was a careful massacre of the bourgeoisie kind of fake. Because I'm like... I recognize the Jerky Boys and the other film, but like Shallow Grave, what the fuck? I, I feel I felt like that that was just a made up film. So now I know it's yeah. not. No, it's not. I also said thirty days later. I meant twenty eight. You, you've done that a lot. I, yeah. See, it's starting. It's, it's starting. I'm, 
the the neurons are I I am I am a shadow reflection of what you'll be like in five years. Fuck. Right. Uh, Dan G, love the episode. Very good use of metaphor for de- for the uh, of deletion for death or suicide. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I thought the kid seemed like a figment of Elliot's imagination. Um, that maybe they set up that first scene of the young Elliot talking to the empty chair in the cinema, who's presumably not his dad. He was seeing, so he's had many other imaginary friends. Um, there's a lot of evidence that this could be made up, and that's mm-hmm. one of the strongest ones: the fact that they filmed Elliot turning to Mister Robot and shushing him in a very similar way to Elliot turning to the other empty seat and realizing that the the character's no longer there. Yeah. But like we said, I can't get around the fact that Muhammad was directly addressed by at least two people, or seen by two people. Yeah. And, like, you know, people like, oh, why is the mosque empty? Well, it wasn't worship night, and also there's a fucking curfew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why... And, then, and, 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 and like... All the other settings where they were at and made sense for people not to. The only thing that didn't make sense is the kid, the kid's parents abandoning him. Like I still can't make sense of why a family who is grief stricken about losing their daughter and fears for their Muslim lives in a hostile city would just be like, "Where's Muhammad? He's gone. <laughs> Fuck it, let's go. We got to go to Connecticut. Your brother's waiting. Your brother's yeah. I don't yeah. So." Um, but I, I do think he's, you're, he's intended to be real. Matt, from to the extent that if it's not, I feel like Esmail's got some explaining about the, the direction and production of this episode. And he did. He, he, he was the credited writer and director, so the buck definitely mm-hmm. stops with him on this one. Mm-hmm. Matt from Philly. Is there an Emmy nomination for the cold o- for a cold open? Because Sam Esmail deserves one. I consistently love what the show does before you get to the title. The retro movie was super cool and nostalgic and even got some Breaking Bad vibes from Mr. Robot collapsing like we'd seen Walter White do with his cancer. Uh, did you notice that after the intro, the show stayed in the wider screen format than we usually have? I don't believe it changes back past the introduction. It gave the episode a more different cinematic feeling, in my opinion, but I wonder if you guys think there's a greater meaning. Is this a part of another of, of another Elliot's delusions, or was it just artistic flair by the director? Did lead to some amazing cinematography, like Elliot and Angela leaning against opposite sides of the door of her apartment. Um, so this is true. the The show starts off in standard sixteen nine mm-hmm. aspect ratio, and then once we get on board the cinematic roller coaster ride and go through the horrifying gumdrops and diseased lepro- leprosy ridden popcorn kernels mm-hmm. that would not be saved by dumping a bag of M&Ms into, by the way. Uh, we go to CinemaScope. Okay. What what ratio is CinemaScope? I, I don't know. It's like 23... To, to, to zero. To, divide to by zero, zero which yeah. is why you never... That's why televisions aren't capable of it. Uh-huh. Uh, they have to do the black bars. Uh, wh- what does it mean? I Man, I didn't even notice this. Like, I, I went I on Reddit either. and I saw a thread about it and I went back and tried to notice it. I verified it, that it did happen. And I still didn't notice it. The, the way you can notice it is, like, the AMC, you know, I mean, the fact there's black bars on the screen, like, you know, and the fact that the AMC uh-huh. bug is, or not USA, the AMC, yeah. the USA bug is in the black bar where it's normally not. Hmm, okay. Um, it, it would be interesting if, because I keep talking about, like, this being the fulcrum of the series or maybe the turning point of the series. It would be interesting if he just, for, purely from a stylistic point of view, every episode from here is CinemaScope. To reflect hmm. the you know the, the the new reality that Mr. Robot's operating in, I don't think he will, because you know he does shit like this. The Alf episode, yeah. Um, I just think it's 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 he 
was going broke for some of these visuals and some of the cinema, c- cinematic storytelling conventions, and why not? Sure. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's why... That's the thing, like, Mr. Robot becomes pretentious, leaves fun and becomes pretentious to the exact level that its, it's, 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 its overall execution is. Mm-hmm. Like, some of this shit would be unsufferable if season three wasn't excellent. Yeah. But since it is, it's a fun thing you can admire, not something that you worry about Sam Esmail jerking off over in favor of actual script and character and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. I... Do you have a Do you have a feeling about what it what it means? Not at all. Okay, no, zero. Sorry. <laughs> um, John from Maryland. This was the This was the dissenter. Okay. Not a big fan of this week's episode, my friends. The dialogue, especially the Darlene and Elliot scene, was pretty pretty lame. And I don't really buy the plot with the kid as realistic uh, as a realistic thing that would happen in Esmail's universe. He's typically better at eschewing a convention and keeping you on your toes, but it felt cheap for them to make it seem like Elliot's really about to off himself, and at the very last second, this kid comes out of nowhere and saves his life. Can we dispense with the fake suspense of the show's single essential character dying mid-season? It'll probably stand that Elliot's suicidal thoughts are insulated in this episode, and so F didn't really progress the plot in a meaningful way, with the exception of him receiving the email from Trenton. I, I'm in violent disagreement at the final paragraph. About not moving anything forward. Yeah, because Elliot being suicidally depressed and needing morphine or prison or something other extreme to function, him saying, I don't need these anymore to a big bag of morphine and and finding because he because he now found a new purpose for himself, I think is a turnaround. Mm -hmm. And I will be. I'll be very disappointed if it's not. Yeah, I'm a little scared that this is going to be another time that they've done this with Elliot because I do feel like he's had these sort of plateaus with Mr. Robot but where things always... have fundamentally changed, but they've – I don't know. I, I'm hoping that this is a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, it is unrealistic if he just magically cures himself and doesn't need medicine anymore or anything like that, but – yeah. Uh, I, every time else he's had a, um, a, a, a a high, it seems like it's been on the back of morphine or Ritalin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas this just seems like, I don't know, a genuine breakthrough, which sometimes happens with people. Sure, it does. I'd like to see him go talk to Krista. I think, he, yo, for sure, for sure. That might be a plot, the fact that uh, he takes he, he he starts taking medicine again, and it starts fogging him up, and like he's not as sharp as he was. And there's you know the there's some stakes between like you know we talked about what the end of Mister Robot is or what a victory condition, and I've always said the victory condition is kind of like Elliot being happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe the choices between him living a quiet, normal, happy life and and him you know, being this tortured genius that can still somehow save the world through his hacking ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I will be, I, I, I will that's the one thing that I think the show could clearly piss me off is if this isn't a turnaround and a and a real change for the character and he just goes back to status quo. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm fine with him yo yoing because like, you know, people are kind of pendulums, but mm-hmm. you know, I there should be, you know, but I think Mr. Be... Mr. Robot and Elliot had sort of an understanding um, that they reached at the end of last episode, you know, where, or was the last, it was one before that, where they both now understand that they're being manipulated. 
Mr. Robot thought he was in control. And are we to understand that Mr. Robot's been gone for three weeks? I guess so. That's what my understanding was, too, which is amazing. Like, like Mr. Robot himself is in a in a in a shame hiding circumstance. Yeah, there's nothing to indicate he's still there. But it's going to be interesting when he hooks back up with Krista because she just found out that he's the guy who maybe started this whole thing. Uh-huh. She's she might push to try and talk to Mr. Robot, and bad things could happen from there. She might accidentally yeah, be a for catalyst sure. for slipping back into this. Yeah, that's a good point too. Which would be completely ironic and yeah, kind of right. delicious almost yeah yeah you're right you're right like he's going to be putting in an involuntary psych hold right uh yeah. right when he needs to save the world i don't know we'll see how it goes but christus definitely has a part to play do you think we'll see white rose before the end of this episode or the end of the season um yes i'm 100 percent on that what about philip price Ooh. yeah yeah. Like I said before, I think Philip still has some thrashing to do. Although it's been three weeks. It's been three weeks. And I'm thinking, like, we might... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we just saw him, like, you know, E-Corp executive commit suicide after Maybe. Like, that kind of... Maybe like, on live And you understand that, like, White Rose has struck again. Yeah. Uh, because I, 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 I'm with you with the thrash, but once I saw the three-week time jump, I'm like, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> Why is why is he not been thrashing? Yeah, because because New York's on lockdown. Um, okay, that's uh, the last email. We ended up with a, a negative a negative take, but not for me. No, okay. I'm uh, still entirely positive with two episodes to go. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see how they they follow through. The next, I, I won't do any spoilers, but the next episode's title has me excited. Oh, I haven't even seen it. Oh boy, it's a doozy. <sighs> All right. It's like, no, no, go ahead. Delete me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dot ZIP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to leave it there. Uh, if you'd like to send us feedback, do so. Robot at baldmove.com. Or you can go on forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, to discuss it with uh, your, to discuss the episodes with your fellow friends. Follow us along on your social media of choice. Just uh, search us for Bald Move. It'll, it'll, it'll come up. And uh, what else? What else do I usually say? I think that's it. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Yep. We will be back here next Friday for another round of Mr. Robot. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Have a nice weekend. See you.